You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Uh, We are celebrating today uh, a baptism. And so I'm going to invite Grayson Watson, if you would come up. If we could welcome Grayson, that would be amazing. Want to come stand right here with me? Awesome. Uh, one of the amazing things about being the people of God is that you don't walk with Jesus alone. Um, that in the kingdom of God, it isn't so much that you stand um, behind somebody else, but you stand shoulder to shoulder with somebody else. And so in the kingdom of God, we stand shoulder to shoulder with Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Mary, and everybody else who has said yes to Jesus. And that's one of the ways that we like to talk about baptism. Baptism is is an opportunity that we have to say yes to Jesus, to unite our life with the life of Jesus. And so today, uh, we are going to do that together. And so, uh, Grayson, I have a certificate for you Uh, that you can give to your parents unless you want to hold on to it. I don't know, mom and dad, we'll kind of see. Well, I'll let you work all that out together. And then I have a book for you. And this book is called Goliath Must Fall. And it talks about the story of David and the power of God showing up in that moment in David's life. And so um, be encouraged as you read through that today. So church, uh, in a little bit, the way it's going to work is we're going to switch rooms uh, here in a few songs. We'll sing a little bit together, and then we'll we'll walk across the hall uh, to the sanctuary, and then we'll baptize Grayson. We'll come back in here, and then I'll share a few things uh, out of the book of Mark, and then we'll we'll eat together, okay? And so if this is your first time, you're like, yeah, there's this is a little bit different. We're kind of moving around. We're doing our thing, and so uh, that's just kind of normal. So as quick as you can catch in to that, uh, you'll be better off. So Um, Would you stand? We're going to pray for Grayson today uh, on his baptism day. Uh, Jesus, uh, we thank you for uh, the life that you give us. Uh, We thank you for the grace that you give us. We thank you for the freedom that you give us. We thank you for the power that you give us. And what a beautiful thing today to gather together as your people and to gather alongside of Grayson, to stand with him shoulder to shoulder um, and celebrate the work you've done in his heart and his life. And uh, we pray, God, that this would be a day uh, that he would look back on, that he would remember uh, that he said yes to you and another opportunity to uh, come into contact with the grace of God, the love of God, the freedom um, that is in his name. And so, God, would you bless him and keep him? Would you and make your face to shine upon him and be gracious unto him today. And this day, would you give him peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Awesome. You can go sit down. Awesome. You're going to have a seat. Yes. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue worshiping um, in a minute, but if this is one of your first uh, times with us, uh, every week uh, we ha- have a practice of celebrating communion together. And so we don't want to just be a people who talk about the table. Uh, We wanna be a people that lives in light of the table and because of the table. 
um, because uh, we want to gather around uh, what Jesus has come to do in planet Earth. And so we remember uh, the last week of his life when he's gathered together with his disciples in this random person's house. Uh, this person is not named in the scriptures, but Jesus gathers with his disciples and they have a meal that they've been having together since they were little kids. And the way that it was talked about when they were little kids is that the people of God were enslaved in Egypt under a evil ruler named Pharaoh. And Pharaoh wanted to build an empire that would bow down to him. Uh, he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be in control. And so he used people to prop himself up. Um, but this time they're having the meal. The story's different. Because Jesus says, rather than setting up a kingdom that would just bow down to you and prop you up, when I come in my kingdom, I actually came to serve. And so instead of this somehow propping me up, I loved the world so much, the people in the world so much, that I wanted to serve them. And that I wanted to give my life, to pour my life out for them. And so he takes bread and he breaks it and says, hey, this is my body that's been given for you. And yes, it was given for your grandparents way back in Egypt. And then he takes the cup, probably wine, and he pours it out and says, hey, this is my blood that is being poured out. So that Egypt would stop recreating itself so that there would be a new thing in the world, so that grace and love and justice and forgiveness and power and resurrection would bury everything that happened in Egypt. And so they share this meal together, and he gives his life a few days later. And the implication is, don't sit at the table under the belief that you're just supposed to sit at the table. Sit at the table underneath the belief that this table is to be an engine in your life. It's supposed to power you. It's supposed to take you somewhere. It's supposed to do something in you and with you on planet Earth. Because there's a lot of room at the table for people. And so today we're going to sing a couple more songs and I would I'd love for you to come up and to take a cup uh, and remember that Last Supper. And then there's a, a bread item. It's mostly bread. I'm not exactly sure what it is. You know, you've been in around church. You know, it's probably tastes a little bit like a poker chip. But that's just what it is today. Just trying to be honest. Um, just an opportunity for us today uh, to gather in that posture of the table. And as you do, I would be grateful if you would ask God uh, where he would like to send you, where he would like to take you, what he would like to do with you. To guard against the belief that we just get to sit at the table and be filled and then come back again. But we are filled so we can give. And so I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing together uh, it works best if you come down the center aisle and go out um, the outside aisle, but you're all smart. I trust you uh, to figure this all out. Uh, let's worship together tonight.
Mark chapter 1. So last week, if you uh, were here, we kicked off a new series looking at the miracles in the book of Mark. And so we're going to be doing that from now till Christmas. And last week we talked about uh, how miracles are not just a bunch of magic tricks that Jesus performed. So the idea isn't that we sort of just like watch Jesus doing all of this impressive stuff. Um, But miracles in the Gospels, in the book of Mark in particular, are expressions of the kind of God that Jesus is. The character that is within him. And so miracles that are performed are expressions of his grace. Miracles that are performed are expressions of his power, of his goodness, of his faithfulness, and of his authority. And we also talked about how Jesus has power both over the natural and the supernatural world. So he's speaking life and freedom over this natural world because he's created this world. And so because he's the creator, he has authority over it. But also he's speaking into and against like the supernatural world. So later in the New Testament, this pastor named Paul will say, our battle, our fight, our conflict, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your coworker. It's not against yourself. It's not against your family member. It's not against the person who said something about you or you heard they said something about you. Our struggle, our battle, our conflict is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Against the powers and the principalities and the ruler of the air. So that's the supernatural way to talk about things. So miracles are magic tricks, Invitation Church. They are expressions of the kind of God that we serve. So, Mark chapter 1, we find these words. We're going to start reading verse 29. Let's see if this is going to work for me. Maybe it is. It's not cooperating. See, I told you our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against computers and technology. So Mark chapter 1, they're going to do it for me because they're amazing. As soon as they left the synagogue. So remember last week that it isn't just Jesus that went to Capernaum, but it says they went to Capernaum. And so that shows us, that reveals, that's pointing to us that the People who are following Jesus, they have a shared mission with him and a shared focus with him. They don't just let Jesus go to Capernaum and do whatever Jesus is going to do. They walk along with him. And that's our call, us followers of Jesus. And so they went to Capernaum together, and now they're leaving the synagogue together. And something amazing has just happened in the synagogue. If you were here last week, there was a demon-possessed man who was at the synagogue. So you never really know what you're going to find at church, what you're going to encounter. And Jesus sets that man free, and then they leave the synagogue. And they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. 
and they told Jesus about her. They told Jesus about her. So they're leaving the synagogue together, and they're going to mother-in-law's house. And they told Jesus about her fever. And before we talk about anything else, we just need to sit with that statement that they told Jesus about her. And it's this question, I think, for us today that we can gather around is what haven't you spoken to Jesus about? What's going on that you haven't talked about? What's unfolding in your life? Because it'd be easy just going, no, no, get to the good stuff. Get to the place where he heals her. No, Mark's like, they told Jesus about mother and Why? Because they're walking with him. They're not just witnesses. They're not just watching. They're not just observing all of the stuff that Jesus is doing. And we can have a faith that does that. We can have a faith. We walk into some stadium with some ticket and watch these people do something down here. That's very impressive and very cool and very entertaining. That's just not the life that God's called us into. He's called us, he's grafted us into a story, and we are called to live in his power. So they go to the Capernaum, and then they leave the synagogue together, and they're talking with Jesus about a need. So I just wonder today, is there some desire deep inside of you that you haven't talked to Jesus about? Is there some kind of wound deep within you that you haven't talked with Jesus about? Is there some event that you have encountered and you've yet to talk about? Verse 31. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. You know, that's interesting. Because in the story that we just read last week, we heard about how the spirit left that man. That spirit that was defining him, that spirit that was controlling him, that spirit that was at work in his life, the way that Mark talked about it is that spirit left that man. And Mark continues to talk about it in that same way. Notice he didn't say, and all of a sudden she started to feel better. No, it says that the fever left her. Again, church, miracles are about the authority of God, the authority that Jesus has. And he has the authority to tell the spirit to go and to tell the fever to go. Fever left this woman. And she began to wait on them. That evening after the sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So Jesus takes the hand of this woman. That's unnamed in the scripture. We just know that it's Peter's mother-in-law. And that was a big no-no in the ancient world. Uh, You did not touch sick people. You did not touch dead people. You did not 
touch people who had been condemned because of some kind of sickness that they're carrying. Why? Because you might get it. So in our culture, it's like you don't sneeze in somebody's face on purpose. I guess not a great way to build friendship. So if that helps somebody in the house of God tonight, awesome. Um, Another way that we could think of this, like you do not just start disciplining like random kids. So you're in Target and you're in aisle three and there's chaos in aisle four. You don't just arch yourself over there and be like, no Xbox for a week. You're going to bed early tonight. We're going to have a conversation when we get... No, you don't do that. And if you do, again, not a great way to build friendship. And it would be like ordering food at a restaurant and the server brings you your hamburger and your fries and your salad because you're on it. Makes you feel better with burgers and fries to just have a little green. Okay. Don't leave me like I'm crazy. I know you do this. I've had supper with you. Uh, And it's awesome, but you notice like there's a giant piece missing from the hamburger. Like that would not be okay, right? That would be gross. You would wonder like, hey, what happened to that hunk of hamburger? It looks like the server took a bite out. Like this is how this would be in this culture. Jesus touches all of the wrong people. Jesus touches the lepers. Jesus touches the people that were untouchable. Jesus touches the unclean and the dead. And in the ancient world, the biblical world, all of the rule around this was to devalue anybody that was different, to label somebody who was in the middle of suffering. In the first century of Israel, They viewed impurity as contagious. Like, don't touch the dead body. Don't touch the sick girl. Because you might get it. So their impurity is contagious. But can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, he thinks about it differently. God thinks about it differently. He doesn't think about that impurity is contagious. In the kingdom of God, the idea would be that Purity is contagious. That God does something when he shows up in our story, in our life. And the idea would be that the work that he started in you would not just stay in you, but that it would spill out of you and it would be contagious. That faithfulness would be contagious. Grace would be contagious. Love would be contagious. Freedom would be contagious. This is the idea and this part of what Mark is doing in this moment. He's lifting this story up to us to say, don't worry about impurity being something that you're going to like magically catch. Make sure that faithfulness gets caught in your life. Make sure that love gets caught in your life. Make sure that the goodness of God gets caught in your life and reproduced. So as we keep company with Jesus, the idea is that the work started within us would not stay with us. It's why this pastor in the New Testament named Paul says, he who began a good work in you would be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
So this is not like a, a faith that is based around events. But this is a faith that is living and moving and growing. And wherever Jesus is, that's where the kingdom of God was located. So we're like, oh, yeah, where's your kingdom? Is the kingdom of God like some place, some address we go to? No, it's where Jesus is. And wherever Jesus is, he's really doing two things. He is reversing old patterns and dynamics. So in a culture where it's like you don't touch somebody's hand who has a fever because you might get it, he's like, no, that's actually the path toward healing. And so he grabs her hand and he lifts her up, helps her stand up. And then what does she do? She goes back to life. She goes back to doing what she had planned to do because when someone comes into your home, you don't ask them for something to eat. What kind of casserole did you bring? No. You serve them. Why? Because this woman serves a Jesus who came to serve. And she's patterned for life. Okay. So she gets up and serves the people in that house. I'm going to invite Caleb up as we close this morning. This morning. This afternoon. What time is it? It's barbecue time. I want to end by sharing two things that will happen to us over and over and over in our life with God. The first thing that's going to happen over and over and over in our life with God is that we will be given opportunities to tell Jesus about what's happening within us and around us. So-and-so has a fever. You're not telling God something because he doesn't know it. But it's a way for your life to be connected to his. It's a way for him to speak a promise into and over whatever is happening within that. It's a way to not just have a me and Jesus kind of faith, but it's a way to have a communal faith. It's a way to stand shoulder to shoulder with other people who have said yes to Jesus. And so over and over and over, it's going to be you at the steering wheel talking to Jesus about stuff that's going on. It's going to be you and Jesus standing in the Costco line, sharing about what's going on. It's going to be you and Jesus in the after-school pickup line, somebody, sharing with Jesus about what is going on. You'll be invited over and over and over and over in your life to do that. Because that's what the disciples did leaving the synagogue they're like hey jesus we just need to tell you about peter's mother-in-law it's not good she's sick and been sick for a while and we're worried about her and jesus shows up jesus cares about that jesus steps into that house he doesn't say ah don't worry Just pray about it. No, he enters. Something else that will happen to you over and over and over again as you walk with Jesus 
is that he's going to grab your hand and he's going to lift you up out of bed. Uh, if we ask the Bible what that's called, I think the Bible would say that's called resurrection. I think the Bible would say that that's renewal, that's new life. And church, can I tell you, that is the last thing that will happen to you as a human on planet Earth. There will be a day and you will be in some kind of care facility and your life will come to an end or you will be at home and your life will come to an end. And one more time, Jesus will grab your hand and he will lift you up. And so that the last breath that you take on planet Earth is the first breath that you take in heaven. And it is a moment where you have never been more alive than when you have passed from Earth into his everlasting kingdom, standing shoulder to shoulder with everyone who has ever said yes to Jesus. So part of this life with God is to say, hey, here's what's going on. And part of life with God is to have the experience of being lifted by him. And it's my hunch tonight that we probably all need both of those patterns of being as we practice our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be in this place together, for being able to participate uh, together in baptism. Thank you for Grayson, for his life, uh, for his sister, El Ray, for his uh, parents, Gary, Jamie, for the their extended family that's here. God, we're grateful uh, for him and for them, and we're expectant for what you want to do in and through his life going forward. And God, grateful for the opportunity that we have and to hear this story in the scriptures that's instructive for us. And so, God, the opportunity tonight in the room is to continue our pattern of talking to you about what's unfolding in our life or to once again take up that practice. And taking up that, pra that practice in the, the context of resurrection hope and claiming the promise and that you are the God who lifts us. You are the God who breathes resurrection uh, into us. And as we walk with you, you will give us opportunities to also do that for others, to come before the throne of God for the sake of another person and to be people who speak resurrection words into the lives of others because we don't want a faith that's just watching you walk into Capernaum. We don't want a faith that's just walk, watching you walk from the synagogue. But we want to be, have a faith where we walk with you because we have a shared mission and a shared focus with you. And so God, we're asking you to empower us and help us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. And so God, we say thank you tonight for this place and for your word and for your people. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one last song together. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.